Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of the 21 Handshake Marketing Podcast. If you are new to listening, welcome. Our podcast covers social media news and digital marketing trends for anyone who is involved in business. Whether you are in B2B or B2C, whether you're on the marketing or the sales team, we go over tips, trends, and we leave you with some actionable items to apply or think about. First off, if you're new, I'm Sarah, account manager here at 21 Handshake. I'm Ashley, also an account manager. My name is Alex. I'm a creative manager in charge of photo and video content. If you followed our last few episodes, you know we are talking about our new digital marketing process, and we are breaking it down into nine action-filled steps. If you haven't listened to those episodes yet, here's the cliff note version, and I'm going to go through this quickly. So go back and listen to those past episodes. Episode 68, we made the debut of our digital marketing solution and gave a very broad overview of the nine-step roadmap that will lead your business to market authority. Episode 69, we dove deep into each step, um, starting with the first one being market research. Episode 70, we talked about brand story and how and why a business needs a brand story. Episode 71, we talked about the website hub and key reasons why your business needs an updated or refreshed website. Episode 72, we talked about why your social accounts need to be consistent. Episode 73, we talked about why good content is key. In episode 74, we discussed the final step of the frame section, total market exposure. And then last week, we talked about digital dialogue. Again, I just went through those really fast, and you're probably wondering, what the heck does each of those mean? So (laughs) go back and listen to each episode. And if anything, go back and listen to episode 68, which gives that broad overview. So this week, we are down to our second to last step, which also means we are kind of nearing the end of season two of our podcast, which is sad, but will be exciting when we kick off in January with some new stuff. So this week, we will talk about tracking and refining data. But first, here's some brief social media news before we dive into today's topic. So Alex, I think we've talked about this before, how sometimes the kind of face identity on the iPhone is annoying, like if you're someplace where, you know, maybe you're in church and you (laughs) quick look at your phone, but you're not going to like hold it in front of your face. But now it seems like Facebook is doing something similar with this verifying your identity through facial recognition. Yeah. So basically what they're they're doing is they're adding a similar face ID type function, similar to what there is on iOS right now, the way that you unlock your phone to the Facebook app. Essentially, I think they want to do it to increase security. Okay. Of course, I think with this, there will come a lot of um, speculation if you know how they are truly going to use that information. Well, yeah, it will. You'll have, as I understood it, you'll have to scan your face and then it'll also compare it to pre previously uploaded selfies to Facebook to make sure that information matches. They basically, not only are they using it actually as a security tool, but it's also a way to uh, prevent people from creating spam accounts. So Um, it'll verify that kind of you are who you say you are. That makes sense. Yeah. Get rid of those spammers. Yeah. So there's kind of two, two reasons to that. I think that that's an interesting creative way to do that. There certainly are a lot of spam accounts on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I would be curious and I don't know if they could do that for Instagram. I don't know if that would be more difficult, but I, I encounter even more spam accounts on, on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. But we'll see we'll see how that Well, it does seem like when Facebook makes a change, its other platforms 
usually aren't too far behind to making the same change or vice versa. One yeah. of the other platforms comes and makes a change and then Facebook jumps on. So yeah, that will be interesting. Of course, um, caveat there will be they probably will start using that for any type of advertising, <laughs> targeting as well. But they already were. So no surprise. <laughs> All right. So Ashley, this caught my attention as well. A new report looks at the rise of virtual influences on Instagram. Like that was a bit confusing to me. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. So this article is actually super fascinating and kind of feels like straight out of a movie. <laughs> um, but apparently there are virtual influencers, which are essentially um, like virtually created people who have their own like Instagram accounts. So not real. Not real people. Okay. Um, but real people have created these like personas and like images of people. Um, and apparently they're really popular. In fact, they're getting almost three times more engagement than the average influencer. Wow. Which is mind blowing. Like, especially because we've talked so much about like the power of influencers yeah. and that appeal of a very like humanistic um, like relatable um, like source of information, I guess. Um, so the fact that these virtual influencers are getting a lot more engagement is really surprising to me. Um, well, but right. Yeah. And as well as like the person who's managing the virtual influencer, like yeah. is that part of their personality coming through? Do they have a clash of personalities? You know, what do you call that when you have multiple exactly. personalities? So we'll link this article in the show notes. It's from Social Media Today, which we think is a reputable source. We, you know, pull articles from that all the time. But um, they're saying that the the appeal to them is that they're the virtual influencers are unpaid, unbiased, available 24-7, evidently very popular, which is a like, I don't know how true that is, right? Because like a real person has to create yeah. the person. And, and then they go on to say that building realistic 3D models is expensive, more expensive than simply using real influencers. Hmm. So, Somebody's um, got to be getting paid. So exactly. Someone has got to be paid in order to create these like virtual influencers. So um, it's a little unclear like how the you know the future of this will look. Are they like here to stay? Is this going to be a really big part of influencer marketing um, or is this kind of just like a fad? Um, they're saying as technology advances it will become more affordable to create mm -hmm. them. Um, Therefore, this is why, you know, we're telling you is that businesses might start utilizing them as well. So there's a lot that goes into this. You know, they'll have to create new regulations for advertising um, with these like virtual influencers. So um, it's a very new trend, um, but something to keep an eye on. Right. Yeah. I would imagine just, you know, thinking about we had talked a while back about how Adobe is coming out with being able to spot like fake Yes. photos and stuff and These what makes this different <laughs> yeah. than fake photos so yeah so this whole topic's interesting the report's interesting we'll link it in the show notes mm -hmm. and actually talking about reporting loosely very loosely brings us to today's topic which is about reporting and data and how to use data to refine your digital marketing strategy. So if you are into influencers, maybe you want to look into a virtual influencer. But so why is it important to track data? Like I mentioned before, this is our second to last step in our digital marketing solution. And we kind of put it here because it all the other steps lead up to this reporting, like you're laying the foundation to set this all in place to get to this reporting. 
thing. So at the most basic, if you don't know where you have been, how will you know where you are going? And so that is why we track the data. So if you don't know what's working or not working, how can you improve it or even just stay the same if it is working? The data tells you, and that's the great thing about digital marketing, um, it, which is missing in a lot of you know outbound marketing, as it's called, like TV maybe or billboards. You don't know if those are effective unless you're really great at like customer service surveys or something and people actually tell you that stuff. The great thing about digital marketing is that all the analytics are there online. You just have to be able to know how to read them and how to interpret it them. They can tell you a lot about behavior patterns, user experience, messaging, and just a whole heck of a lot more. It can, again, help you determine what's working and what might be missing the mark and allows you to adjust your strategy accordingly so you can continue to improve. And again, it's just, I love that about digital marketing, that you can see that data upfront and it can help you influence your decisions. So we talked about Google Analytics before and about the data your business should be tracking. And we did this at a very high level overview. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it's episode 49. We'll link it in the show notes. And it was called the Google Analytics Metrics Your Business Should Be Measuring. So whereas that episode was more about here are metrics you should be looking at, this episode is going to dive a bit deeper into how to use that data to clarify your audience targeting or messaging a bit better. So first, let's talk about what metrics we are measuring when we talk about data. When our team specifically talks about data, and again, this could you know, vary across different digital marketing teams, but we're going over specifically what we are tracking when it comes to our digital marketing solution. So Ashley, what specific reports are we talking about? Yeah, so we kind of stick to um, a few core ones, ones that we think are really reputable, do a good job um, in reporting. Obviously, a few of those um, link to Google. Um, so Google Analytics would be the first place we would look at for um, data and reporting. It's our go-to for um, pretty much any website data, but more specifically website traffic. Mm. There's a lot of good information on how people have gotten to your website, what page did they land on, what piece of content is maybe your most popular, how are they going through your website, um, all kind of behavior stats. So it's a great place to start. It's really, really comprehensive. Um, So that's um, the first one. The next one would be Google My Business, which is more of like a local search traffic metrics. Um, How many people have seen your business when they're looking on maps? Um, How many people click, you know, called you from Google, basically? Um, So there's some good metrics there, especially if you're a local business. Um, Social media platforms, you can do this a few ways. Um, if you have a social media management system, like like we've mentioned a lot on the podcast, we use Sprout Social. They have a, um, like a reporting software um, that tells us, it kind of pulls together all of the social media profiles we use, pulls data into one big report. Um, but you can also go into each platform and they do have, as long as you're a business account, um, metrics for um, your business account. But I will say they kind of like vary in, um, some of them are better than others. Yeah, totally. Um, and then the last one um, that we like to use is SpyFu, and that's for search engine optimization. Um, it's great for looking at keywords, 
not only for your business, but also maybe what your competitors are using. Um, it'll do a really good job of showing what market share you have compared to businesses like you on Google um, and a great tool to kind of put together an SEO strategy. Right. Yeah. So we use all of these and this list might look small. We only mentioned kind of four yeah. items and social media, you know, that can be more than one, but mm -hmm. four main items we mentioned here, but it's pretty mighty and there's a lot of data in there to unpack just on those four platforms. Yeah. So we're going to break it down by these different platforms just to give it a name here. So we're going to break it down by Google Analytics, Google My Business, our G. MB, as the kids call it, <laughs> social media platforms, and SpyFu. So the first one we're going to tackle is Google Analytics. And as I mentioned earlier, episode 49, we went over key areas that we think businesses should be looking at. We totally talked about each um, like 10 measures that businesses should track. So go back and look at or listen to that episode or read it, whatever your preference. We have it on the website as well. We'll link that all in the show notes. But just to give you a breakdown, on that episode, we went over these top 10 items, number of sessions, which is actually like visits, traffic to your site, pages per session, so page views, time on site, um, which also includes some bounce rate, organic traffic, social traffic, top content, new content, total blog traffic, top landing page, and exit page and contact us. So those are 10 key areas in Google Analytics that you want to be looking at if you are a business. You know, go get the Google Analytics code. The best part about Google Analytics is it's free. <laughs> this is free information they are giving it giving you. So when I look at this data for clients, I look at it monthly, but usually it tells me a better story if I look at it over a larger range of dates. So I often will pull it back three months, I'll pull it back six months, and I like to compare it. So say for example, traffic, I compare that to the either the previous three months, the previous six months, or even that same time period a year ago. And that's gonna give me a little more um, holistic view. If traffic's up, is it down? Um, and then if it is up or down, I need to determine why it's up or down. So if you're doing maybe a comparison of, you know, your September, October, November, and then comparing that to your summer, um, you know, it might look different depending on how different your campaigns are running or just knowing your business trends, if it's slower in the summer versus the fall. So those are those start to tell you a story about what the data means. And you can look at your specific traffic sources then too. Was your organic up? Did my social decrease? And then you can look at your content. What landing page had the most visits on the site? And if you see that one had a lot of visits, you can say, oh, was that due to social? And now I see my social was up. And so you start to kind of tie in those pieces together. Your content was up for this specific blog post that went you know, really popular. Oh, I ran a social campaign on that my social visits were up from Facebook. And now you can kind of align that picture and kind of read that data a little better. Um, some other things that we look at, um, you know, 
was your traffic organic? Did most of it come from a paid campaign? So if you're running PPC, you can add that into your analytics and definitely see, well, that traffic specifically came from my Google PPC ads. And so I know PPC is working if that traffic was up or if it was organic. Well, last month, we actually, you know, you can start to put the pieces together like, oh, we were doing some SEO work on our site. We invested some time. We hired an SEO consultant. And that's why our organic traffic went up. You can also break it down by um, your campaigns you can add in there as well. Um, you can track your email. So if you're doing a lot of email campaigns, there are specific codes in Google that you can start adding to campaigns to start tracking these campaign efforts a little better. Um, you can also, I like to look at what landing page was landed on first. So that's traffic that's coming from Google. So say that blog post I just talked about, well, that was your highest landing page. Well, that makes sense because you promoted it on social, people came over from Facebook and they landed on that page of your site first. I also look at the highest exit page. And that's gonna give you some intel as to, well, why did people leave that page? If doesn't make sense that they left that page. Well, if it was like a thank you page, they just downloaded something, they subscribed to your newsletter, that makes sense. But if your highest exited page was that same landing page, well, there might be some tweaks you can do to try to keep users on your site longer. So when you start looking at all these data pieces in Google Analytics, they start to tell you a little bit of a story about the users that come to your site. And I find it so fascinating that you can even drill down to specific demographics. So say you are really invested as a company in marketing to the East Coast. You really, maybe New York, Massachusetts, anybody on the East Eastern um, side of the United States. Well, you can drill down and look at those geographic locations in your Google Analytics. Oh, I see most of my visitors were coming from, you know, those locations that I was targeting, New York, Massachusetts, you know, any of those over there. But if your visitors were coming from California and your targeting was to the East Coast, there's something misaligned there. <laughs> and that can help you refine your marketing campaign and go back and look at those pieces and say, why doesn't this match up? So there is a lot of data you can look at at Google Analytics. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I could go on a lot more. It's gonna vary a little bit for each business depending on what their goals are. But again, the best part about Google Analytics is it's free. Anybody can put the code for Google Analytics on their website and start tracking these pieces that tell a story about the users coming to your website. And I think that's just really why I love it is because it tells a story about that audience that's coming to your website, what they're interested in, and it can help influence further marketing campaigns that you invest in. So anything else to add guys about Google Analytics? Oh, I think you covered it there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, so definitely reach out to me if you have more questions on that. So the <laughs> next set of data we are looking at is our social metrics. And Ashley, can you tell us a little bit what social metrics we track and then why we track those? Yes. Yeah, so when it comes to social media, there are a lot of different metrics. And if you've ever looked at the back end of um, Facebook Business Manager, you'll immediately be very overwhelmed. Um, so we're here to help you um, guide through that. So some top uh, metrics that you should look at and what they mean 
um, would be impressions and reach. And what that would tell you is how um, how many people are aware of my business, how many people have seen at least my posts come through their feed. Um, now, these two, I think, are um, a little... They're not like metrics that I put a lot of my money on. Do you know what I mean? Because right. someone scrolling through their feed could not even notice it. Um, it could scroll through in like 0.1 second and it would count as an impression. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving further down would be like um, when people are starting to notice your brand and interacting with that. And so that would be most of your engagement metrics. So how many people are liking my posts? How many people are commenting on my posts? Are they clicking the links that I'm sharing? Um, which brings me down to um, like even deeper. And one of my favorite metrics to look at to know, like to measure to measure success, <laughs> um, a link clicks. So how many people am I getting to my website from social media? And that's one of the most powerful tools I think social media um, can do for a business is bring people to your website. Um, so yeah, because you're driving conversions basically at that point. Yes, you exactly. want to drive them either to a lead page or to a landing page that we just talked about. And as a business, I would value that obviously a lot. Um, it helped me increase sales. Blah, blah, blah. We get the question all the time. Is how is social media helping me sell more? Well, um, <laughs> especially I think in the B2B environment. Yes. On B2C, you might be actually selling maybe on through, social. Yeah, mm-hmm. on social. But for B2B, that's important to drive them back to your website especially. for more deeper information. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's very true. Mm. Um, and then even deeper, more valuable metrics would be earned mentions. So say someone is reviewing your product without you even having to ask. That's an amazing metric to have um, and one that's really impressive. Definitely. Um, And then the last would be social user generated content or positive word of mouth. And those, you know, kind of intertwine with the last one. But, um, you know, engagement that you aren't asking for. Other people are just soliciting, um, especially positive reviews. um, Yeah, pictures of your product. um, Them out using your product. Mm -hmm. um, And it it can go both ways, unfortunately. We talked about that pizza (laughs) example, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a few weeks back. How that can be something that you don't want to happen because your customer care was not up there. (laughs) Um, So that's something to be mindful as well when you're looking at it. It's like, you know, is this advocacy good or is it bad? And if it's bad, what do I need to change? If it's good, how do we keep the ball rolling? Yeah, yeah, that's very true. If you want to hear a really horrible example of um, user-generated content, go listen to our last podcast episode. <laughs> but then on the other hand, um, you know, that was not our client. No, it wasn't. We would advise them <laughs> really differently. But um, we do have a roofing client and their roofing community loves to showcase pictures and send it to us and tag us on social media and um, kind of I just advocate for us like hey we're roofers we're using this product we like it and then you know we in turn say hey can we broadcast this even further maybe put it mm-hmm. on some channels that you didn't post it on and that's got to be like one of the biggest compliments when your customer loves your product so much that they want to share it with everyone that they know like that has to be the best piece of content you can get. It really is because then it goes beyond, um, you know, you're touting your product, someone mm-hmm. else's, and that's just a lot more valuable. 
So those are, in a nutshell, the social metrics. We will post more about this and this um, cool map that we found as well that breaks it down into buyer's journey as well and how each metric fits into your customer's buyer journey. We'll post that in the show notes because it's definitely worth taking a look. So our next data metric that we look at, and actually this is a lot of metrics into one, but it's a reporting system that we use and it's a paid platform called SpyFu. There are a few other platforms out there that are similar, SEMrush, if you've heard of that, um, I think AREFs, a couple other platforms that are very similar to this. And this is an SEO platform. It's an SEO and PPC um, keyword research, keyword ranking, um, it talks about values of clicks. It gives a nice domain overview, which is, you know, just a really good like overview of well, what keywords am I ranking for if I didn't know? Um, and that's all kind of organic SEO that it kind of looks at. So you can see different keyword ranking graphs. You can check out your fluctuations of keywords and you can set that over years or months, depending how long your domain's been around. Um You can analyze search engine result pages and just see the domain value, domain strength, number of clicks of domains that they are estimated to have. You can run backlink reports. And really the spy part of SpyFu is that you can see how your competitors are ranking and what they are ranking for. So we like to use that just to... um, you know, see how we can outrank them, basically. Everybody wants to be on the first page of search engine results, and SpyFu helps us look at those results and see how we can do better, which is amazing. We also use it for PPC ad comparisons. So if a client of ours, you know, they're in that phase of um, running the social ads and we want to check out what their competitors are doing. It gives us actually their exact ads that they've ran on PPC, the words they've used and anything like that. And we can see, you know, how can we kind of beat that ad in the algorithm <laughs> or how can we write copy that's more compelling than that ad? So in a nutshell, it's a very nifty reporting system that allows us to find websites that are trying to rank for the same keywords as you might want to rank for. So it's I think it's one of the best tools we've had um, in terms of building a successful SEO strategy for our clients. It's one of the biggest like best tools that we've found. So would you say it's kind of your secret weapon? Yeah. Yeah, I would say that. I would say it's kind of a secret back pocket weapon here that we pull out when we are <laughs> like, let's see how we can rank a little better in, in Google here. <laughs> so our next one is Google My Business. And this will be the last one that we talk about today. And we'll talk about how Google My Business Insights can give you a behind the scenes look at how your customers interact with your Google My Business listing. So caveat here, you must be signed up for Google My Business and you must have your listing verified on Google to get these insights. It's very easy to do. Reach out to us. We can help get you verified on there. And that's another key there. You have to be verified on um, your listing for you to get these insights. So um It's very easy to do, but this is your listing when someone specifically looks up 21 Handshake, our listing pops up, has the address, 
in anything else we put on our listing. So Alex, can you explain a little bit more about how we use Google My Business Insights to give us a little bit more data to to look at? Yeah, so like Sarah said, the Google My Business is what shows up when it, when somebody searches your business either directly or looks or searches, for example, on Google Maps, restaurants near me, business, X type of business near me, or open now, et cetera. And that information is housed in the Google My Business Insights. And there's some very interesting in, uh, information in there. So basically, you can find how many, well, first of all, uh, very simply, how many views your listing had, which is important. Uh, from there, you can see how and where customers found your listing. If that was through discovery or through a direct search, mm. obviously there's, you can kind of weigh those a little bit differently. If somebody is searching for some, you directly, they probably know of you yeah. or have a reason to search you. If it's coming through discovery, they are looking for someone who offers what you do, product or service. Yeah, so that can kind of give you a good measure of new prospects out there. Absolutely. So they can, you can see where they saw your listing. They can, it tells you if it was a specifically a Google Map search or if it came from just the Google search engine. Yeah, so if you have a business that, um, you know, I think a lot of like lumber yards or something, that is helpful to know um, were they searching you for you on map because they're trying to find you. Right, and so also <laughs> mobile versus desktop. Um, yes. If you're getting a lot of mobile ones, it's probably people trying to look for you to drive over to you right now. Yeah. And a few types of actions that are also recorded, visits to your website from the listing, direct requests and phone calls that you can, you know, you can directly click on the phone number if you're looking via the map and then also messaging and chat options. Yeah. And I think that phone call one is very important for business to business as well, because Absolutely. there's still a lot of phone calls for B2B. <laughs> right. So I, I love Google My Business. And um, another thing I don't think we mentioned here as well, it breaks it down by zip codes that are searching for you as well. So definitely if you're a local business, um, B2B or even B2C, that's very cool to see. Well, are we hitting our target area? Where did the most heavily people that came to um, our listing, where were they from? What zip code were they from? Yeah, if you're a local business and you absolutely need to to have an active and verified Google My Business listing. You are missing out on business if you're not showing up there. Yeah, your Google My Business also um, has your Google reviews. Yeah. Uh, yes. Another important part, you can upload photos, videos of your company. And people, they look at those. Um, you know, we're, you know, everyone's a consumer and we're always looking for more information about the businesses that we are doing business with. Absolutely. And what they're like. So um, definitely hop on board Google My Business. So again, there are so many more data points. We just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg today by talking about Google Analytics, the social media platforms, SpyFu, which is SEO tracking, and Google My Business. You can also do more advanced SEO metrics. You can do YouTube metrics, email metrics, PPC metrics, e-commerce, click funnels, et cetera, et cetera. So many metrics out there and, um, you know, if our client is more heavily invested in something of those that I just mentioned, we also do track those as well. But we just wanted to give you a good, broad overview of the metrics we track and use to influence decisions for our clients moving forward with their marketing campaigns. 
And as we head into 2020, it's so important to know your goals of what you will measure, how you will do it, what success looks like on all your digital marketing channels. And we need to remember that it's just not looking at that data, but it's also interpreting it. A big part of this is laying the foundation and framework for your strategy, which we talk about in steps one through seven. So when you get to this eighth step of data, it's just refining and clarifying your message and seeing what works. So definitely data is huge. Um, Definitely reporting is huge. It's a big part of what we do and how it determines, um, you know, the goals and metrics of what we're measuring for our clients. So we keep talking about the nine step process because we love to help businesses gain more traction online with ads, their content and more. We have a free webinar that goes over all of the nine steps of the digital marketing program, which we keep talking about here. And it includes bonus content for each step that you can put into action right away. So definitely go check that out. It's at bit.ly forward slash 21 handshake nine step. That's bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash two one handshake nine step all lowercase. So check that out. It's definitely going to give you a really good picture of what the nine steps uh, digital marketing solution is and how it can help your business be more digitally authoritative in 2020. So we'll link all that in our show notes. And now did you like this episode? Yes, of course you did. Then please like, subscribe, leave us a review and share it with a friend. It really does help get the word out about our show. Until next time.